Oh, Father, I thank you. I thank you for everything you do for us. Lord, we give you glory and praise even in the most snowiest days. Lord, I thank you for the moisture and the green grass that will come from it. And Lord, I pray that as we hear this message that your words will speak loudly and that we'll understand what you have commanded us to do and that it will drive something in us to go on mission for you. Lord, I thank you and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're almost done with this series. This series that we call The Life as the Church. And I think so often we compartmentalize everything in the church when, when everything in the church must work together. You see, the eight salvations that we had at youth group the other day was because of everybody in this church. I mean, so many people were making meals, men and women behind the scenes, and, and the leaders, the youth group leaders that pour out their soul every Wednesday for those youth. Every one of them played a part. You see, none of this happens without everybody playing the role that God has given us. And today, I want to challenge us to go on mission. That everything we do at First Baptist Church is going on mission for Jesus Christ. You see, the church, we are a movement, not a monument. This church building is a monument, but the people in it are the movement. And if the church building is not housing a movement, then it serves no purpose. If we are not on mission, then we are not a church. You see, something that is stagnant is only interesting for a moment. But something with movement is is mesmerizing. I mean, we just look at fire or a waterfall or even the ocean. Compare that to a statue or a monument. Or even the Grand Canyon. I remember when I was a junior in high school, my dad and I, we went to go get a car in California and we, we stopped at the Grand Canyon. We got out of the car and we walked over and we looked at it and we stared at it for like five minutes. We looked at each other and we're like, well, I guess we've seen it. Let's go. You know, we go and get in the car and we leave. I mean, as mesmerizing as that is, it's not moving. Guys, the church must move. I ask us, are we that type of church? I mean, do we come here on a Sunday morning and we go, well, and we get in our car and we leave and nothing drives something inside of us? Is ministry happening in this church? Is this a church on mission? We need to be continually moving, shaping people for Christ, in Christ, and and with Christ. Everything we do needs to be directed towards missions. And stay with me. I mean, why do we worship? Why do we come out in all this snow just so we can sit here and listen to a guy talk? Why do we learn? Why do we study? Why do we serve? It's to give God glory. But the more people that are devoted, and notice I said devoted and not converted, the more people, the more glory we give to God. And do you think that God honors a monk who goes into seclusion and spends every waking moment trying to reach Christian enlightenment, but never leaves the monastery? As Christians, we must be about truth and we must be about action. And mission is that action. A movement is on mission. We should be a church that, that's continually molding believers that have a desire to go on mission in this community and outside of this community. 
Are we a living, breathing organism? Or are we a statue? Every person should be on mission. As they go. We should be intentionally serving Wyoming, this region, and the world. Man, I challenge you to take on fear and tackle the unknown. Man, if we're going to be transformed as a church, the way we do missions, we must be rooted in the Bible. And I can think of no better place to go than Acts 1.1. In the first book, O Theopolis, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. What is this first book that he's talking about? It's the Gospel of Luke. Luke, this physician, is, is well needed in Paul's ministry as he's continually putting himself in harm, as he, as he brings the Gospel to the world. And Luke, he writes this Gospel. And then he writes the Acts of the Apostles. And this Acts of Apostle, I believe he's writing to an actual historical figure who has some money. And printing books at this time, it took time and money and it was hard to do. But every one of us in here can understand the importance of having these books. Having these books as Paul travels around and does ministry. As he plants churches. I mean, imagine having the Gospel and a story about how the apostles were living and what God was doing in their lives. I think we so often take it for granted that we have a a phone with the Bible or we have the Bible right here in front of us, every one of us. Before we get too carried away, I think it's important. And I, I heard this from a man that I was driving today as I was taking him to get a place to live for not today, but this week. He said that we often think that we need to preach or we need to teach somebody, but really we just need to share the gospel. And we need to share what Jesus has done in our life. Have you ever asked yourself, could you share the gospel with just the book of Luke and your story? Man, for the last 14 weeks, every Wednesday at youth, all I do is pick up the Bible and I share the story of Jesus Christ and at least nine kids have given their life to Jesus. Nine kids, just by sharing Jesus' story. And then when, when Jesus comes into their life, I tell them to share that, to go on mission for Jesus. You see, nobody can argue what Jesus has done in your life. That's why I believe that when you are saved, you should go about and share your testimony. The moment that you're saved, the moment the Holy Spirit is residing in you. Guys, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of His death, His burial, and His resurrection. That's what transforms people. And they see that gospel in us as we proclaim it passionately, our testimony. And I've said it before. I challenge you to write down your testimony. Write it down so you can share it in three minutes. I have used my testimony three times in the last two weeks. Man, it's so important what God has done in your life. So if we look at Acts 1, we see that Luke is writing to Theopolis. But the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. You see, Luke, he might as well be writing to you. He might as well be writing to me. Oh, Zach. Now, it sounds like what my wife told me when I told her we were still going up to the the Black Hills, whether we need to take the back roads or not. 
But what's important is when we read on. Luke says, I have dealt with all that Jesus began. That Jesus began to do and teach. And if somebody began something, that means that somebody else must carry it on. Oh, Zach. Oh, Zeke. Oh, Ruth. Are you continuing to do what Jesus began? And then he uses these words, to do and to teach. This to do is an action. We not only teach, but, but we go on mission. We live it. Man, if you're teaching it, but you're not living it, then it means nothing. In this church, the body of Christ is intended to be a group of people that are called out by God. That are intended to move what Jesus began to move it forward. We are a movement, not just a church. Church comes from this word meaning a place that is sacred. You see, this building is not sacred. You are sacred. Jesus did not die for this building. He died for you. Man, this place could burn down today. Maybe not with all the snow. But we would still be FPC. So we have to look at Jesus. And what did Jesus do? Jesus went. And He didn't expect the people to come to Him. He goes all over and the people are just drawn to Him. Yes, but, but Jesus goes and He shares the Gospel in all these cities. Bethsaida, Cana, Capernaum, Chorazin, Gennesaret, Nain, Nazareth, Bethbara, Decapolis, Gersara, Enon, Caesarea, Maritime, Sychar, two towns called Bethany, Bethlehem, Jericho, and Jerusalem. Every one of those cities, and he had to walk there. Man, right now, we have cars, we have planes, we have phones. This is the first time in the history of mankind that we could actually do what God has commanded us to do and reach all the nations. And the Bible tells us that would usher in Christ's kingdom. Matthew 24, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and in the end, will come. This universal church, all the people that are the church, man, if we could just work together, and every one of us could play a part, and we could, and we could work together, instead of a group of churches supporting just a little bit ministry, missionaries, all these churches just giving them a little bit of money, and all these missionaries having to worry about all these churches supporting them, Man, why can't a church support, fully support one missionary? And when I say support, I mean administration. I mean prayers. I mean fiscally. I mean, I mean sending people out to help them. Treating them like a pastor. Because I believe that's the model that we should go. Jesus has established the church to do just that. And the churches are to do local ministry. Luke's words in Acts. They still hold true. We are still to do Jesus' purpose, which was fully given to us in the Scripture. We have not accomplished what He said in Matthew 24, 14. Man, we are still to go to all the nations, and we are to be rooted in God's Word. Acts 1, 2 and 3. Until the day when He is taken up, after He had given commands to the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom He had chosen, He presented Himself alive to them after His suffering by many proofs, 
appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Man, this very text was written 2,000 years ago, but Jesus, Jesus is still relevant. He is still taken up. This book is still giving us commands. It is still inspired by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is still residing in us. We are a chosen race. Chosen by God. And I don't know about you, but when Jesus transformed my life, He was presented alive. My friend Jackson Kettner was dead in alcohol. And he is alive in Christ. Every one of your salvations is a proof that Jesus is continually alive in your life. And we can continually share that with others. Speaking about this kingdom of God. You see, Jesus talks about it 32 times in the Gospel of Matthew. Maybe we should be talking about it also. Jesus established His church. You and I to be this movement which takes the good news about Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God to the world. You see, I was talking to a man in my office the other day. Actually, it was Pastor Bill's office. And this man told me that he believed in a, in a higher power. And that he basically believed in karma and that everybody, if they just did enough good to, to outdo their bad, then they would be in heaven. And I normally don't do this, but I looked at him and I said, what you believe is sending you to hell. And then he said some words that I can't repeat in this sermon. And then I looked at him and I said, if I truly believe what this Bible says, and yet I don't share it with you, I don't talk about the kingdom of God and what it means to have access to it, then do I truly love you? Do I truly care about you? Because I would say, if I don't say something, then I don't care about you at all. You see, there is one way. There is one way to heaven. There is one way, and that is Jesus Christ. And it is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is that. And people everywhere in this community are going through life without knowing that. Man, if there was more than one way, then our God would be cruel. I mean, how cruel would it be to let His Son die brutally on a cross when there was another way? And you see, it is historical that Jesus lived. It is historical that Jesus died. And it is historical that the tomb is empty. And if the tomb is empty, then anything is possible. I was listening to a sermon by J.D. Greer this, this week, and I have to admit, a lot of this was inspired by that sermon. And what he said in there was, this, that movements move, and if you are not moving, then you are not part of the movement. You see, I don't want to go to heaven someday and have to confess to God that I refuse to be part of His movement, that I refuse to obey His commands because I was embarrassed, because I didn't feel comfortable, or worse yet, are you hindering the movement of God? Do you ever ask yourself, am I hindering the movement of God? Please don't. 
Please don't. So often we come to Jesus and then we go into this holding pattern. Man, I would challenge us to move the second we are saved. I would challenge us to move and do action while we're learning. To go on mission. Acts 1, 4 and 5. And while staying with them, He ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which He said, You heard from Me. For John baptized with water, but you will baptize with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So right here, God calls them to wait. He says what is promised by the Father. And we know what that is. It's the Holy Spirit. And and basically, Luke is retelling the end of his Gospel in a more complete detail. And at the end, in Luke 24-45, it says that Jesus has opened their mind to understand the Scripture. And I find it so amazing to see like Jack, one of our youth group kids, to see when he first showed up and he didn't understand what was going on in the Bible. And now to see that young man and how Jesus has opened his mind to the Scripture. And when our mind is open, it allows us to tell others exactly what we're supposed to say. And we see that in Luke 24, 46-49. And said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And that repentance, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed to His name for all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of My Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with the power from on high. Right here, they are told to wait. To wait until they have this power. And what do they do? What do they do as soon as this power, the Holy Spirit, comes upon them? They share it. I mean, they speak in the language of the people that are listening, even though they're speaking in their native tongue. And what does the Lord do? The Lord moves and 3,000 people come to Christ. I mean, talk about a logistical nightmare. I mean, you think this was difficult to set up with this storm. Or you think COVID and going through that and trying to get out sermons was difficult. Imagine having 3,000 people come to Christ and come to this church in one day. Man, if we think that numbers don't matter, we are kidding ourselves. People matter. They would not be in the Bible. And we are to share the Gospel. We are to go on mission. And we are to talk about Jesus and His suffering and His raising. And we're to do it while repenting and continually forgiving. And we should proclaim it with passion, beginning right here in Douglas and then going to the nations. See, the Bible tells us that we are Jesus' witness when we have the Holy Spirit. The apostles, they were waiting on the Holy Spirit, but we receive it when we come to Christ. So what are we waiting for? Go, be a witness. Be a witness because we love God and we love people. I mean, do we truly want to share to others about the kingdom of God? Are we truly a part of God's kingdom? Acts 1.6 So when they had come together, they asked Him, Lord, will You at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And I don't know if you caught it, but even after all this, after seeing all the miracles that Jesus is doing, they still do not get the completeness of this promise. 
All they can see is what's right in front of them in this land of Israel. And Jesus, listen to this, Jesus did not restore the kingdom of Israel at this moment. Or more accurately, the the kingdom in the entire earth. Because you and you and you and you and you and you and me had not yet given our life to Jesus Christ. And every other Christian since the apostles had not yet been saved. And every one of you was part of God's plan. And Jesus, He will return and He will establish His kingdom when every person who is supposed to be part of His kingdom is saved and not a second sooner. And that is why I believe that we should go on mission. And when we go on mission, it's not for us to get caught up on when Jesus is going to return. It's not for us to get caught up and start to predict the future. Acts 1.7, He said to them, it's not for you to know the times of the season that the Father has fixed by His own authority. Man, we have a job to do. We have a job to do and knowing exactly when Jesus is coming back is not one of them. Do we plan like He's not coming back in our lifetime, but do we live each day like He's coming back tomorrow? I mean, what if you knew that Jesus was coming back tomorrow? Would your today look different? Would your today look different? You see, as a church, God has laid out. He's laid out what we should teach, when we should teach it, why we should teach it, but where should we teach it? And Acts 1.8 is our, our game plan. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witness in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Acts 1.8 should be an it is written in your life. You should know it in the depths of your heart. I challenge you to memorize it. And when you have the Spirit, you are a witness. This is not just a command for the apostles. This is a command to all believers throughout history. And I get it. Some may be better at it. But we are all called to be a witness. And it is more than just your actions. You see, people do not know that your actions are Jesus unless you tell them why you are doing the things you do. I mean, imagine if my wife had never heard about Jesus. And I loved her like Jesus does. And I treated her like Jesus does. And I treated her like a princess. But I never shared with her the reasons that I did those. I never told her about Jesus. I never took her to church. She would think that I was a really nice guy. But she would not know Jesus. She would not associate it with Jesus. She would not know who He is and she would go to hell. That doesn't make me a good person. That makes me selfish. Acts 28, 19-20 Go. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Man, right here, there is some walking. And there is some talking. As you go, as you live life, make disciples. Wherever life takes you, we are called to be intentional about God. And where is God taking you? Is Jesus with you as you go? Let's look at Acts 1.8 a little closer. What is our Jerusalem? 
And I think we can all agree that it's this community. Converse County, are we on mission in Douglas? What could we do in this community to accomplish the Great Commission? And I'm telling you, I don't have all the answers. But Jesus has given us our... He's given us His Word. We are His bride, the church. And we have this command to accomplish the mission that He has assigned us. And it starts by developing leaders and and Christians and disciples in this area. Training them up right here. But I'm asking you to allow it to expand out. Look for ways that we can share about who Jesus Christ is. Look for ways that we can go on mission. Look for ways that we can do it that aren't just events, but missional opportunities to build relationships in order to share Jesus. So here's what I believe our Jerusalem looks like. I mean, we continually have church services. There's no doubt about that. We continually have youth group. We continually do these things, these ministries that we've been doing. But I challenge you. Man, I challenge you to take those to your office, to build relationships in your office, to build relationships at your shop, to share your faith as you go. I challenge you this week to share Jesus with at least one person. Find a way to bring it up in conversation. You see, I've been doing this thing lately, and I learned it from the head of the the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, at least in this area. And what I do when I go out to eat with somebody, I ask the waitress or the waiter, and I haven't had a waiter tell me I could yet, but but mainly the waitress. I ask them, I say, we're going to pray. Is there something that we could pray for you? And I'm telling you, it opens boundaries. The smile that they see that somebody cares enough to pray for somebody, it's, it's not over the top, but they see it. And then we ask them if they want to pray with us, and we pray right then and there. We pray for the food. We pray for whatever it is that they need. We just repeat what they say. And then when you're done, I challenge you to give the most generous tip that you have ever given. Because if we pray like that and we share Jesus, but yet we are not generous, that does nothing for Jesus Christ. I challenge us at FBC to be the most generous people in this community. Are we that type of church? Do we share our faith with anybody that's willing to listen? And then after Jerusalem, what does it look like to sin out? And I see Judea as our state, this this state of Wyoming. And I get it, there's some leadway here. Are we on mission in this state? I'm not sure we are. And I believe that we need one. You see, we've talked about adding a sister church in another community. Maybe on the reservation. Maybe we go to the reservation and we help set up a church. We help plant a church and we help them get self-sufficient. And I know there's a church in Lust that is thriving. And they're about ready to build a church. Maybe we come alongside of them and help them build a church. Man, this church is so blessed financially. Man, we are so blessed with the people that we have. We can support others. And as we go to these places, we help set up elders and and pastors, leaders. And and then we team up and we help them build and we help train and we go on mission with them. We don't just send them money. We go on mission with them. And then we see this Samaria. 
And Samaria is north of Judea. And now I'm thinking that, that we should look at this as a regional area. And what is so interesting is that Samaria is a hated land. I mean, this really is like going to Colorado right now. I mean, it's almost a different world down there. But nonetheless, are we on mission in Colorado? Are we on mission in Nebraska? Are we on mission in South Dakota? What are we doing in these surrounding states? And there's this, this ministry called Mean Street Ministries. And it's in Denver, and it is absolutely amazing. And I'm saying that we come alongside of these guys. Their funding is so down because of COVID-19. How do we help them minister in that area? Or maybe we choose another church and we come alongside of them and help them be self-sufficient so that they, that they can do local ministry in that area. We are so blessed. But I also believe that our people can be transformed by going on mission. Every one of you, every one of you can be transformed by going on mission. You see Jesus' work. That's the way He designed it. That's why He's working in your heart. That's what He's doing in your heart. Man, let's go on mission. Let's support these areas. Let's help them transform their own local areas. And then it says the end of the earth. Are we on mission throughout this globe? I'm going to go to Belize in October. And I went to a meeting and I asked them about a church and they said all the churches there do not have a strong biblical foundation. Why can we not plant a church? Why can we not send somebody to help establish a strong biblical church to go along with these other ministries that they are doing there? These other ministries that help children and young women out of the sex slave trade industry. It doesn't have to be there. I mean, is God moving in you? Is the Holy Spirit giving you places that you feel like He's taking you? And then as a church, we need to come alongside of them and be honest with them and help them through it, help them train, help them see where the Holy Spirit is directing them. I believe that we should take homegrown missionaries, people out of this church, and we should send them throughout the world to go on the Great Commission. And don't get me wrong, I think we continue to help the ministries we're helping. Those missionaries are important. But I also think as a church that we evaluate what we are doing. We evaluate every relationship. We evaluate every single missionary that we have. This includes even our own ministries. This includes youth group. This includes children's ministry. This includes women's ministry. It's everything we, we are doing on mission for Jesus Christ. And I ask us that we continually evaluate whether or not we are doing exactly what the Word of God is telling us. And I believe the church over the years has approached missions incorrectly. I believe that the local church should be the driving force of missions in this world. And I have nothing against missional organizations, but I believe that they have become because the church has failed to be missional. The church has become a monument. We have this model of funding missionaries instead of living on mission with our missionaries. Now, I'm not saying that all of us go overseas all the time. There is people that are called out to do that. There are people that are gifted to do that. But we as the local church, we should be continually raising up leaders 
people within that can go to these different regions and establish churches much like Paul did. Churches that can help us multiply and spread the Gospel to the world. Acts 13, 1-3 Now there were in the church of Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While there, they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. The Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Right here, we have this all-star team in Antioch. And they pray, and the Holy Spirit led them to send two men to go. Man, I plead with us to send people out from this church to send people out on short-term missions to help build and establish these churches, to help these missionaries as they go so that they can start this process over locally. You see, it is easy to give money, but it is difficult to truly support our missionaries. And somewhere along the line, we discovered that it was okay to just give our money because we are so rich. It made us feel better about ourselves. And don't get me wrong, listen closely, I support you guys giving to missionaries. I want you guys to give to missionaries. I give to missionaries. But giving does not release us from going on mission with them. Matthew 28, 19, go. I mean, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. As you go, are you living on mission? No excuses. We need to live on mission. And right now, in this world, there are 430,000 missionaries serving in other countries besides their own. And there are only 1.135 million missionaries serving in their home countries. I believe that the local church should be taking the ministry to our communities. College towns should have college pastors and college ministries is an example. Think about what Douglas needs And we should be meeting the needs for Jesus Christ in this community. And then let's go globally. Do you realize that there are 2 billion people in this world that call themselves Christians? And even if we only took a quarter of those, only a quarter of them are born again, surrendered to Christ, devoted to Jesus, Christians. That's 500 million people devoted to Christ. And that's a large number, so I'm going to simplify it. In the United States, just over 2 million people claim to be Christian. A quarter of those would be 50 million adult people claiming to love Jesus and be devoted to Him. And each American makes roughly $36,000. So let's say that each of them gave 10% because they're devoted, right? Let's say they give 10% of their income. That's $3,600 a year. And I believe that every 100 devoted believers should send out at least one full-time minister, missionary that is fully supported. $3,600 times 100 is $360,000. Can we support a pastor, an office person, and a missionary with that money? I believe so. And I believe a pastor and I believe a missionary should make a living wage, but we should not be rich. To be a pastor should be a calling. To be a missionary should be a calling. 
And guys, if you look at it, just the United States, 50 million people divided by 100 is 500,000. Just the United States would send out 500,000 missionaries fully funded by one church or maybe a couple churches that are smaller, fully funded with support and backing. And the church, it teams up with that missionary to help build, to help teach, to to fellowship, to live with, to to walk with them as, as they live life together. And we continually set up churches in these areas so that they can disciple and build up these local churches to reach their own people. I mean, who knows better how to reach their own people than the people in those local communities? This church... FBC has over 200 people who call this church home. We have two pastors. We have three office ladies and we have an intern. And I believe we have an obligation to at least send out two full-time missionaries who are planting churches. Locally, our Jerusalem. The people in this church are the missionaries in Douglas, Wyoming. And Pastor Bill and I are obligated to to make disciples, to train up for us to do the mission work in this community. And our budget at this church is around $400,000. And I believe, I truly believe that it could be so much higher if we would just buy in to a movement. A movement of the kingdom of God. And to see it multiply. Man, does it not excite you when you see eight youth come to Christ a couple years ago? You want energy? See that happen all the time. Man, we cannot neglect Douglas. This is the mission field that God has given us. But it must not stop there. We are also called to go throughout the world. What if the gospel had stayed in Jerusalem? You would not be a Christian. Saul, which is the Apostle Paul's old name, is killing Christians. He's killing them. And we see Stephen, and Stephen is being martyred. And while he's being beaten with stones, he is proclaiming Christ. And guess what happens after this persecution? The church expands, and they are preaching about Jesus Christ. It explodes outward, Acts 8, 1-4, through and Saul approved of Stephen's execution. And there arose in that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentations over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house, and he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. And then this is the important part. Now those who are scattered went about preaching the Word. They go. They preach. They share the Word. And they establish churches in these other towns, in these surrounding areas. Man, I don't feel like missionaries should spend their whole life in one area. I mean, look at Paul. He went all over. I believe that that missionaries, they have a job to go to an area, to start a church, to rise up leaders in that church and help it to be sufficient. And then either stay on as a pastor and be fully funded by that church as they repeat the process. You see, there should always be a moment where the The mission is established and and there is self-sufficiency and this cycle starts over. Following Christ is a movement. The Word of God is active and sharper than any two-edged sword. 
The Word of God is moving in our hearts and we should be moving to the people. And these people, they were scattered and they eventually they established this church in Antioch. Acts eleven nineteen. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose, Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. They start with the Jews. I mean, even Jesus said that was how it started. But Jesus died for all nations. I mean, that is very clear. And Paul will eventually reach the Gentiles. And I love Christianity. The beauty of Christianity is that it does not need the United States culture to thrive. It needs Jesus to thrive. I mean, in Acts 2, Peter is speaking in the tongues of all these nations around him, and they are hearing him in their own tongue. Jesus thrives in all cultures. Guys, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control thrives in all cultures. Those transform societies. We must be very careful as a church. We cannot feel like our culture is the only culture. We cannot feel like our, own, our thinking is the only thinking. Guys, I have ideas, but they're not the only ideas. We all need to come together and join forces so that we can go on mission for Jesus Christ. Man, I would just want us to fully invest in the kingdom of God. And I challenge you to discover, to explore your heart, to understand where God is leading you, how God has designed you and purposed you to go on mission to share the gospel. And as we finish, I want to read Acts 1, 9 through 11. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee... Why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. Are we just standing or are we moving? And if we're not moving, if we're not going, if we're not on mission, then we're not obeying. You see, I pray for a time when there will be no foreign missionaries because there is a local church in every community doing what God has called them to do. But of course, I truly believe that when this happens, when there is a church in every community, then in about a nanosecond, Jesus will return and the trumpet will roar and He will show up and He will establish His kingdom. And everything that we look at in this world that is terrible will be no more. There will be no more crying. There will be no more weeping. There will be no more hatred. And there will be a King, Jesus, a perfect King. But He has set us on mission and He has given us a role in it. And we have yet to accomplish it. And so I plead with us, I plead with all those that call Jesus King to go on mission. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Let's pray. Father, I love you. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you went, that you didn't just stay in heaven, that you came to us and that you gave your life for us.
And Lord, I pray that we would see that and it would drive something inside of us to go to those that do not yet understand. I pray that we would go on mission in this world and that we would use your book in the ways that you gave us to establish your love and your grace in all the communities that we're in. Lord, I thank you for FBC and I pray that you will allow us to do these things. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.